Can you give us a station ID? They'll kill me if I don't, I don't ask. I'd hate to see you killed. This is Steve Robinson, temporarily back on Earth, in Davis on KDVS 90.3. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. This, in fact, is our last program of 2005. New Year's Eve, of course, is this Saturday, and we'll remind you, on New Year's Eve, do your countdown as follows. Three, two, one, one. Happy New Year, because they're adding an extra second to the clock all over the world this New Year's Eve. Although people have warned this is going to wreak havoc with our satellites, which have been trained to think of a minute as being 60 seconds, not 61, uh, we think that probably they'll survive this like they survived the Y2K. And um, we're going to talk about that in a future program, uh, about why this sort of thing has to be done. But uh, we will not do that today. We'll keep it light. We'll keep it fast-paced. We'll keep it moving. And we'll do what we can to uh, continue in the holiday spirit mode, which we were on, of course, on our Christmas show last week. (laughs) Mr. McMillan, of course, could not resist... (laughs) The opportunity to again play the Barking Dogs version of Jingle Bells. We like to start our program with This Day in History because it gives us a chance to compare things that took place uh, in the past to what is going on today. And uh, on this date in history, in case in point, in 1675, the English Parliament orders that coffee houses be closed, citing them as hotbeds of malicious rumors and revolution. We would contrast that today when the juggernaut of Starbucks seems to be appearing everywhere. I was thinking about opening one in my living room earlier today when I spotted one not a mile from my house. Uh, That Actually now within a mile radius of my house, I believe there are now four Starbucks. My producer reminds me of the Onion headline. Starbucks opens at new location inside restroom of existing Starbucks. <laughs> On this date in 1852, Emma Snodgrass of Boston, Massachusetts, who was in violation of the law at that time, was arrested for wearing pants in public. On this date in 1891, American inventor Thomas Edison is granted a patent for wireless radio. His patent indicated that signals could be transmitted between two points without a wire. Now, we, we know that'll never pan out. And on this date in 1850, in stark contrast to the current governmental attitude uh, in the land, 
Trusts and would-be monopolies were put on notice as the Seller-Kefauver Anti-Merger Act, a potent piece of antitrust legislation, made its way onto the law books. The legislation was designed to help staunch monopolistic mergers and acquisitions, as well as rein in supersized corporations that threatened competition. Boy, we need a little bit more of 1950 legislation these days, don't you think? Our quote of the day comes from the former British Prime Minister, the Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher, who told the London Evening Standard, Being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, then you aren't. That's why the lady is a tramp. Our statistic for this week's show comes from Mother Jones Magazine, which this one quite quite shocked me. But evidently, Campus Crusade for Christ raised $380 million last year, more than PBS, the Boy Scouts, and Easter Seals combined. And I think I should digress a moment. Uh, that page in Mother Jones had some other fascinating little, uh, little items, such as... A Minnesota company has made $758,000 selling his essence, a candle that smells the way the Bible says Jesus will upon his return, at least according to the Minnesota company, which apparently um, put in the aromas of myrrh, aloe, and cassia. And if people in New Orleans haven't suffered enough in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, they noted that John Travolta piloted his 707 Boeing aircraft filled with five tons of food and 450 tetanus doses to New Orleans where he met fellow Scientologists who then provided touch therapy to the hurricane victims. And if people in Southeast Asia haven't suffered enough from last year's uh, tsunami, James Dobson uh, of Focus and the Family evidently sent $2.2 million in aid to that part of the world, which included 1 million copies of Dr. Dobson's own When God Doesn't Make Sense. And uh, speaking of the, the tsunami and American politically oriented right wing jerks, another location of the magazine, they had the following item. They, they nominated. Uh, uh, five people for the Diddley Awards, the Jimmy Swaggart Award for God Abuse. The one that didn't win, but the one I liked the most, came from Tom DeLay. He appeared at a prayer breakfast just after the Indian Ocean tsunami that killed 240,000 people, at which point Tom DeLay read a passage from Matthew about a non-believer, realizing, of course, that that part of the world has relatively few Christians. Quote, A fool who built his house on sand... The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and buffeted the house, and it collapsed, and was completely ruined, end quote. Then, without comment, DeLay righteously sat down. Since we're looking at this page, I can't help also noting that uh, another, another nominee was Senator Richard Shelby, Republican Alabama, 
who sponsored a Constitutional Restoration Act of 2005, which mandates, quote, the acknowledgement of God as the sovereign source of law, liberty, or government, unquote, i.e., the Bible could trump even the Supreme Court, which, according to some observers, could allow judges to impose biblical sentences, such as stoning of homosexuals instead of common law sentences. All right, uh, I regret to report that we did not receive The Week magazine this week because the magazine takes a week off a couple times a year, and this is one of those uh, times which it does that. But by gosh, let's do it anyway. It was a good week last week for primary school education when a French magazine named as its child of the year, a British schoolgirl credited with saving about 100 tourists at a Thai beach when the tsunami hit. The upcoming issue of Mon Quotidien uh, features a smiling Tilly Smith on its cover. Smith, now 11, had studied tsunamis in her geography class in south of London two weeks before going to Thailand on vacation. Uh, On a morning walk on Phuket, Smith recognized the warning signs that a tsunami was coming when she saw bubbling on the water and foam sizzling. She told her parents and alerted staff at the Marriott Hotel where they were staying. The beach was evacuated minutes before waves hit. The beach was one of the few on Phuket where no one was killed or seriously hurt. A Radio Parallax would judge it to be a bad week for gaining sympathy last week when the former Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein claimed during his trial, after seeming to concede that people had been mistreated by his government, uh, in the next breath redirected the focus to what he considered to be his own suffering. Any harm done to these witnesses is wrong, and whoever did it must be punished in accordance with the law, Saddam said of the alleged victims. Saddam uh, pleaded with the court, ask any of my colleagues if they were not beaten nor have signs of beatings. The lead prosecutor, Jafar al-Mosawi, more outspoken and forceful in presenting his case than in previous sessions, raised his voice in indignation. I visited you and saw an air conditioner in your room and ordered televisions for you, he told Saddam. Televisions. (laughs) On second thought, maybe the Iraqi dictator has a point. And uh, speaking of television, we would judge it to be a good week for television viewers everywhere when it was revealed last week that the Reverend Al Sharpton, who had been in talks with CBS to star in a sitcom, said he was not interested in being a TV star after all. I haven't done the things I've done to be in a sitcom, Sharpton told the News and Observer of Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, you could have fooled us. I'm not interested in being Archie Bunker. I'm looking forward to becoming George Bush, Sharpton said, alluding to a possible future presidential race. All right, we're staring at our end-of-year summary of conventional wisdom per Newsweek magazine and noted that uh, there were a lot more downs than ups. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger got a down arrow, noted that California voters made him look like a girly man on ballot initiatives. So much for the constitutional amendment to let him run for president. To that we say, amen. Also earning a down arrow, not surprising, was the aforementioned Tom DeLay. Newsweek was quoted as saying, the hammer is getting pounded by Texas and D.C. probes. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And in saying that, I am quoting the magazine. They gave uh, Al-Qaeda a, a down arrow, noting that four years after 9-11, they're regrouping and franchising terror. They noted a P.S. Why haven't we caught Osama bin Laden? It's a good question, don't you think? However, the current issue of Vanity Fair has another excellent article on Osama bin Laden, noting that by 2002, it looked as though Al-Qaeda was on life support, but at this point, it's being described as being on steroids. This might be a good point to to inject the fact that according to a Time Magazine poll, 41% of Americans think the war in Iraq has made the U.S. safer. 51% believe it has made us less safe. Most surprising choice for me in Newsweek, Charles Darwin. The magazine described the intelligent designer of evolution theory as a museum darling and a wingnut demon. He's a fit survivor. We want to remind you also that in uh, in the upcoming month of January 2006, we're going to try and take a look at the, um, the issues of avian flu. It's not going to go away for the next few years, and we need to, I think, give you a, a better perspective than you perhaps are getting from, uh, from the media. Although I must say the media is covering this pretty comprehensively. And I think that um, a lot of people are sort of um, uh, thinking that they're overdoing it, but we would disagree and think that, uh, you know, we need a lot of data and we're going to return to that. But I thought that because I'm looking <laughs> at the Newsweek, their cartoon summary of the year, and it shows a George Bush holding in his hand a paper that says, Bird Flu Planning... And he's looking down and addressing Daffy Duck, saying, Daffy, you're doing a heck of a job when his aides in the background are going, "Uh uh-oh. I don't read Money Magazine very much. It usually has quotes like, and if you can invest money and win the lottery, then you'll have a great deal to be able to put into real estate. And in keeping with that, this is actual an actual item from the end of year how to, like, make more money in 2006, um, uh, a section. This is an actual, uh, this is actual advice from Money Magazine. Resolution number four, of course, jumpstart your career. Under number one category, they say uncover opportunities for yourself. Research ideas. Here's the kicker. Ask a colleague how he got promoted. Apparently, there are people out there that actually subscribe to this magazine to get advice like that. We should have a a section on preposterous data out there in the media. I noted that in the December 12th issue of Newsweek, an article titled Six Keys to Safer Hospitals, uh, they noted that um, one thing you could do is prevent respirator pneumonia, noting that VAPs, or ventilator-associated pneumonias, are often a deadly lung infection that people on respirators can get after surgery, for example. They noted that a few simple maneuvers, like elevating the head of the hospital bed and frequently cleaning the patient's mouth, can eliminate them. They cited Dominican Hospital in Santa Cruz, California, as celebrating one full year without a single VAP, a result most doctors would have thought impossible. 
It so happened that Radio Parallax has uh, gotten a hold of the person who actually did the statistics for Dominican Hospital in Santa Cruz. And uh, we have it on excellent authority that this remarkable achievement, a result most doctors would have thought impossible, was achieved mainly by redefining what is ventilator-associated pneumonia. Kind of like how the government every so often announces the progress you're making against poverty by redefining the poverty line. I do hope that all of you had a good uh, a good Christmas. I, I, of course, had the perennial ideological humorous battle with my brother-in-law, who after I presented him with the re-elect Hillary poster that was sent me in the mail in effort to raise funds for the New York senator, he rewarded me with G. Gordon Liddy's stacked and packed 2006 calendar featuring swimsuit models all packing heat. Let's see if you were paying attention uh, this, this last year in 2005. Let's give you a few items from, uh, from the holiday quiz, which was from the last issue out there of The Week magazine. All right, item number one. The Supreme Court ruled that this organization had the right to participate in Missouri's Adopt a Highway program and erect signs bearing its name along a public road. This item was presented to you on Radio Parallax. Do you remember who that group was? Well, if you, if you recall it as being the Ku Klux Klan, go to the head of the class. This one, however, was news to me. Name the celebrity who named his son Kal-El after Superman's birth name on the fictional planet Krypton. The answer is movie actor Nicolas Cage, evidently a fan of the Man of Steel, who said this. For better or worse, I'm a big game hunter. After 43 years, I've got a lot of scars. They're all on the front. I didn't get it in the back because I didn't run. That statement represented the somewhat inflated sense of self-worth of Dan Rather. And in Freakonomics, one of the most popular nonfiction books of the year, uh, the notion was advanced that the national decline in crime during the 1990s was the result of legalization of what? The answer, abortion, because it had reduced the number of dysfunctional urban youths. And final item, in his book, Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed, Jared Diamond posits that Norse colonists in Greenland died out in the 15th century partly because of a cultural taboo against eating what? The surprising answer, fish. Although the seas of Greenland are to this day teeming uh, with fish, as, as are Greenland's rivers, <laughs> the Vikings wouldn't eat them. This was not a good move in terms of long-term survival. An article I found somewhat surprising, one to talk to you about. Uh, according to the Associated Press, young adults are now fretting over wrinkles. Martha Irvine, writing for the AP, said, Forget 40 is the new 30. Now even 20-somethings are joining the quest for eternal youth by using anti-aging products and wrinkle treatments. All I'm going to add to that is, 
you 20-somethings out there, in fact, you 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, etc., if you want to have better-looking skin with fewer wrinkles, I have a very easy solution. Stop smoking cigarettes. If you're a non-smoker, I guess you can go ahead and use whatever wrinkle creams you can find. But if you're a smoker, this is the thing to do to preserve your skin. Trust me on this one. And speaking of health matters, I'm looking at a picture of Dick Cheney on the cover of the Sacramento Bee from last week, uh, noting how that the U.S. Senate passed a budget bill, uh, 51 to 50, with Dick Cheney casting the tie-breaking vote. Um, But what struck me about it was this picture of Cheney. He clearly has a facial asymmetry. His right orbit is wider than the palpebral fissure, the width of the uh, the eye uh, on the left side. Um, his left his left side of his face is curled up a bit, and this man is his nasolabial fold, the line between your nose and the and the side of your lip is flattened out on the right side. He clearly is demonstrating a facial nerve paralysis. Dick Cheney has either had a stroke of some sort, or more likely, a Bell's palsy, a facial nerve paralysis. I've not heard anything about this in the news, but uh, I'm here to tell you, looking at this picture, that's what the vice president has. We may have scooped the national news media on this one, but I don't see how. I mean, we know he's got a bad ticker, but uh, you know, that that ain't his only problems, folks. Take, Take up a picture. Dig up this picture of him leaving the Senate chamber after casting the uh, the tie-breaking vote. That's either a Bell's palsy or a stroke. All right, final two items uh, of our segment today. I, I was quite tickled by this story. Fox News rejects anti-Alito ad as factually incorrect. We on Radio Parallax find it highly newsworthy that uh, Fox News is taking issue with something over being factually incorrect. We've talked about the Jane Aker court, uh, the court case in the past, wherein Fox, uh, a Fox subsidiary, ordered in court and prevailed with the argument that the news organizations or that television news has no obligation to be factual. But uh, in keeping with uh, Fox's effort to be concerned about being factually correct, I'm going to read uh, the Fox item. I have actually the BBC and Fox stories on the same uh, news item. But I think I'll go with the Fox one. It actually is slightly more comprehensive. Santa Fe District Court Judge Daniel Sanchez signed a temporary restraining order against CBS late-night host David Letterman, which required him to keep his distance from Colleen Nestler. According to Colleen Nestler, for more than 10 years, David Letterman has been sending her coded messages over the airways that communicate his desire to marry her. Nestler has also accused TV personalities Regis Philbin and Kelsey Grammer of communicating with her through television code. And uh, I think, dear listener, you would have to agree with David Letterman's lawyers that Nestler's temporary restraining order is a bit ludicrous. The question I had to ask was, how in God's name did a judge grant such a temporary restraining order? One has to ask here, who's more crazy, uh, this woman or the judge that grants this restraining order? I mean, a restraining order is a court order which directs a person not to do something such as make contact with another person, enter the family home, remove a child from the state, etc. 
This judge ordered David Letterman, who does not know this woman, to keep his distance from her. Now, I guess legally these things are often often granted without notice uh, until a hearing can be held to determine the propriety of any injunctive, of any injunctive relief. Generally, when the, the judges and courts that issued the TROs uh, decide whether to, to um, hold a hearing to make them uh, more permanent, it's the same judge making the decision. Judge Sanchez's reaction to the unflattering press coverage of his TRO uh, was not reassuring. According to the Santa Fe New Mexican, when asked if he might have made a mistake, Sanchez said no. He also said he'd read Nestler's application. Anyway, um, we're getting a coded message right now. It's from David Letterman. He says it's time to take a break. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. This is Radio Parallax. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. And stay tuned for our second segment. <laughs> 